0: Well, I'm half Toby Haydoke, on my mother's side. Hello, I've largely dispensed with these intros because they were rambling and frankly irrelevant. Uh, However, just a little bit of context because... I refer to my next interviewee's brother a couple of times uh, during our chat, and that is because I'm the warm-up man for University Challenge. Yes, there is a warm-up man for University Challenge, and frankly, who else were they going to get? And uh, I mentioned Doctor Who in my comedy, which I'm occasionally wont to do, and a young lady in the front row pointed to the man next to her and said, his dad was in Doctor Who, uh, and I got chatting to this chap, Um and fortunately i knew that being the son of the person mentioned that this guy was a writer for holby city so uh, that broke some ice and uh, he befriended me on facebook and i knew he would he was related to this next person uh, so uh, i said could could he maybe facilitate an interview And as the universe works, by a funny coincidence, uh, a fan and journalist, J.R. Southall, thank you, J.R., also uh, had a contact with this gentleman. So it was a a two-pronged attack that facilitated this next conversation, which uh, I hope is of interest. Enjoy. I'm on Skype again, uh, at this time to uh, the United States, and I'm, I'm polishing off an era in one go because uh, I'm talking to a gentleman who had a key role in a, a unique Doctor Who production, so I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. My name is Matthew Jacobs. I was the writer and co-producer for The Eighth
1: Doctor, which was produced here and was made as a TV feature and her, and a backdoor pilot by Fox, Universal, BBC, and, uh, you yeah, know, like a million people. Someone said that the Eighth Doctor was kind of like the George Lazenby of doctors, but he's probably more affectionately regarded um, than George Lazenby. Paul McGann is, you know, is just wonderful. I'm very proud, however, the fact that all this dialogue in the movie was mine, even though the movie has been criticised for its plot and for certain aspects by hoobians, It's definitely... You know, he's definitely a very affectionate character, and I'm very proud of that. And I love, you know, what Paul McGann did with him. We were so excited, and we were hoping it would continue. He probably never liked the wig, but... Uh, uh, but, you know, that kind of went with the territory in terms of the romantic interpretation, I think, that Phil Siegel.
0: Um, and everybody kind of had of, of The Doctor at that time. It was the mid-'90s. Yes, and it's interesting, you, you talk about the plot... Somebody said to me once, would it be your dream to write for Doctor Who? And I said, I, do you know what, I don't know, because I wouldn't know where to start. And because you've got the whole of time and space... That blank canvas must be, of all programmes with Doctor Two the most daunting of all.
1: Yes, and especially because the brief was so complex. They were trying to launch the Doctor in the States, and at that time, um, the Doctor did have a following, but only of, like, 100,000 or so, which I think now is much bigger because of the wonderful work, you know, that Russell and those guys did in the sort of, right, you know, 2005 or whenever it came back. I think, um, you know, it was a struggle added to which when you try and make a feature film from what is basically a half-hour show, TV show, it's always a struggle. I mean, you know, if you look at The Simpsons, the the feature version of that was kind of disappointing. I mean, Star Trek made the leap well into feature lengths, but it had much more money and probably a bigger following I, at that time. So, it, and it was so it was even more of a challenge because we were trying to reintroduce the Doctor, and other writers had tried before me. They were very much TV contract writers for Universal, and uh, they they were all American, and uh, I got hired basically because like all the parties knew me i had a good relationship with the bbc i had a good relationship with uh because of who were vaguely attached by uh, phil siegel at the time when i was hired and uh uh, because of young indy and trevor walton who ran fox knew me well and so you know everybody was kind of on board and when i walked in the room i came in with a very simple pitch Basically, it was one sentence, it was, Doctor, who am I? It was, uh, it was, you know, and I think that's the most successful aspect of the TV movie, which is really the first half uh, when he has amnesia. And through his amnesia, he's, he's seeking to define himself. And you get his very affectionate romantic character, which is what I was going for very much um very human in many in many ways, not quite as strange when he says he's half human on his mother's side you know there was a certain joke there the way in which humans you know you say you're half uh, on his father's side, sorry, um, you say you're half Jewish on your father's side. If you look at the calendar at the beginning, on the uh, in the TARDIS, um, it's actually the Jewish calendar. And we're not saying that he's Jewish, but the calendar that being that number actually was Phil Siegel's idea, and uh, uh, it was lovely. Basically, I said I tried to put aside the daunting nature of writing. For such an iconic figure who's iconic to myself because I'd always always loved the Doctor from when I was a small boy and uh, I put, tried to put that aside um, and just uh, just bring, my, bring myself to the table as if this was a dream come true really, you know, like when you're a child and you say I'm Captain Kirk <laughs> or, you know you're Spock, let's go play. And, you you know, you go out to the playground and you run around being, you know, Emma Peel, or, though I never was Emma Peel. I was always John Steed. Steed, sorry. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, so that was the joy of writing it, really. And it kind of flowed out fairly quickly. And then suddenly we were in production before we knew it, even though that was still a struggle. And uh, and then everybody had uh, you know had their two cents worth to throw in, and uh, primarily I think that was the reason I got co-producer credit was because um, I had to deal with that, um, and so I was on the set up in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, uh, it wasn't your first exposure to Doctor Who, because your dad, Anthony Jacobs, was Doc Holliday in The Gunfighters.
1: Yes, that was one of my first, or I think my first experience. It were, uh, I think it was my birthday, and on birthdays, my dad would always take us for a treat of some kind, and his treat that year. He was playing Doc Holliday. Obviously, I loved um, Doctor Who, so he took me to TV center and I got a chance to kind of see what they were doing, and I got to meet, I, you know, I got to meet Hartnell, and I got to meet these people, pretty awestruck. I remember being put behind the set of the bar. We were sitting behind the set, and there were, yeah, like you have a small mirror on behind somebody who's a barman. Well, that mirror was on a slider and they would slide that aside and the camera would be looking through the, the, where the mirror was, obviously not in insure, to get some kind of an over-the-shoulder. So I was sat beside this camera and given a set of headphones and I could hear and see on a monitor what was going on and I could listen to, I think it was Rex Tucker who was directing that. I could listen to all the activity that was going on in the control room. And I think it was around that time, you know, I treasured this because I was always in awe um, of what my father did. And so I kind of fell in love, not so much with the acting, but what the director was doing. And even though I did go into acting, uh, I, I was pretty awed by that. So so there you go. So that was it. And then obviously, I. Rex Tucker um, met me and then he cast me in a classic serial he did called Point Counterpoint, which I, um, you know, and like, I always thought I would look like James Bond. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: and then when I saw that I didn't hide behind the sofa, I hid under the stairs. I thought I was worse than a Dalek. I'm doing it these days. Um, but that, you know, that I was in the National Youth Theatre, it was a long gap. Um, I was recently in a movie called Boxing Day that came out in Britain, um, and, and so you know, so you know that's kind of started up again a little bit.
0: I, I got the impression from your brother that um, your dad was a very meticulous actor who who used and 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 his for him the voice was the key to the part. Was that right? I would
1: imagine that's true. Um, he yes, he was like a lot of actors. Um, uh, certainly, I think. Classically trained, as he was, he would find. I remember when he did uh, *War and Peace*, um, which also I went um, and visited. He was obsessed with the fact that bolkonsky had to have a certain kind of ring on his finger and those kind of details that, of course, you never see. Um, but but they would be. They were very good. For, they're very good for the actor to have, at least some little thing, a watch, something that is unique to a character's... There's um, a choice that only that character would have made. It makes you feel... It gives you a reference. So, yes, he was very meticulous. Um, I haven't seen that, um, that, that gunfighter since...
0: I'm <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. Uh,
0: he's very good he in it. Since i writing it. He's very right. good in it. Um, he, he was. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I mean, thanks
1: for you know. Uh, thank you for saying that. That's the that, you know. It's always appreciated
0: when um, people remember my father. Well, and and so had, had, was did you mention this at any point during um, making uh, the Paul McGann thing? I think it was one of the reasons I was hired. Ah, yeah. well. Americans like that. They say, "Oh my God, he actually." Uh, no, he actually is an alien we've got to hire him <laughs> now you it was interesting that you talked about um, seeing the doctor in sort of romantic terms um, what was what was the impetus behind that in terms of how you wanted to change him from um, being a stranger to a more sort of Byronic sort of figure that's
1: very saw the most charming well the my most favourite my my favourite um aspect of the doctor was his ability to step back from humans um and have a tremendous amount of sympathy for them um I personally um, have written various things. I wrote a script for Zootrope that was a sci-fi piece that never got made, um, and it was very. I love that business of stepping back and almost a philosophical approach. And when the doctor says, "I love humans," they see patterns in everything. I think that for me summed up um, his perception and his love uh, of, of humans. And obviously, you know, he comes off as a you know. As a human, so um, I wanted to, you know, to express that, to express that affection he has, not to be rather standoffish or superior. I think um, there was also another aspect, which is um, something that um, the idea was to sell him a little bit more to an American audience, because the BBC weren't. So we were dealing you know, with a slightly hostile thing there. So they were interested in it, in it going to America. Certainly that was my, my aspect. And an American audience very much is dealing with the business, and certainly in the 90s, of how do we make the characters sympathetic and identifiable enough for a very large audience to invite them into their home once a week for 72 weeks which was the aim of that was the amount of um, shows that you need to do to syndicate mm-hmm. so this was a you know so this was something where when i turned around and you know let's and said let's be romantic a little bit more romantic with him and certainly it was phil siegel's approach to he wanted that that original kind of frock coat you know it was an amalgamation of most of a lot of favourite images of the Doctor and and obviously Paul McGann is a, an attractive man, so, so it made sense that he would have a bit of a relationship there with Grace and I think it's been done since um, but I was proud of the fact that we had probably the first kiss.
0: A, a, a controversial moment uh, in the eyes of many a Doctor Who fan.
1: Who fans are great but when we showed it, I think it was at the Director's Guild Building in LA, there was a line of of American Whovians um, around the block, and I, it was a little daunting simply because when something becomes a cult, it immediately adopts those sort of playground rules. And I think, the, as far as I know, um, the what was attractive about the original Doctor Who's um, were it wasn't really a book. Most TV shows have—I mean—a Bible. Yeah. Most TV shows have Bible um, that writers have to write. minute Jesus Christ dies, everybody gets into the fact that there are all these rules and things that they create myths around them and they stick to them. Um, and I think, um, not comparing Doctor Who to Jesus Christ, except he does resurrect himself. Um, I I do think they uh, uh, I think they adopted rules that probably didn't exist really. So I kind of ignored the rules and said, you know, let's you know let's have fun with this.
0: And how, how had you got to the point where you were a writer in America, who, as you say, was you, you, you know had good good uh, good relationships with all these disparate groups? So uh, uh, how had you gone from being a, a boy in England on the set of the Gunfighters, doing a bit, starting off of acting, to um, to being a a, a U.S. based writer? Oh my
1: gosh, things happen slowly, and it's very hard to pin that down, and they happen for all sorts of different reasons, um, which could take a long time to answer um, and whittle down to one thing, or one or two things. I always loved American movies, um, and certainly as I was going through studying drama at Hull University um, and then going to National Film School, my you know, my love of, you know, these were my heroes, um, George Lucas. And Movie Brats and Malik and Badlands, all of these things were films that I adored. I also liked, you know, a lot of, I just loved cinema. Uh, you go into the dark, you dream, you escape. Um, TV you get addicted to. Um, it's kind of a way of, um, uh, you know, having another life. So in terms of going to America, I was doing quite well in Britain. you know this film, um, directed by Bernard Rose, Bernard's first feature, um, who I still work with. Uh, this film did very well. It got a great review, a brilliant review from Roger Ebert, who sadly died the other day. Yeah. Um, he, um, and that review uh, basically launched us in the States. I got an American agent. Um, I started getting American work while I was in Britain. George Lucas, uh, was looking for writer-directors initially for the Young Indiana Jones shows. That's why Frank Darabont was there, Hensley, other other people, you know, John Hales, who was a dramaturg, a, a theatre director um, uh, as well. And, uh, and all of us had to have a good grasp on history. So um, I was offered to do that. I mean, and um, who would turn it down, given... Of cinema. Also, my wife at that time had done her postgraduate year, her year after postgrad, and she was desperate to get back to San Francisco. So this was great. And you know, George really respects writers and laid out the red carpet for us, even let us smoke um, in you know in the Skywalker Ranch, which you know I've since discovered is like foreboden. Um, so uh, you know, after about a year of doing that, and uh, I just started getting work, piles of it, and uh, um, you know, through the 90s, and stayed. And I do like it in the Bay Area, and um, and I also love Britain. I went back to do to do uh, Mother Time, and obviously Doctor Who. So uh, so. I think that's. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah,
0: no, that's that's great. And um, with with uh, Doctor Who, how optimistic that it was going to make a series.
1: Well, in, in America, it's a very um, you know spending money on a series is is it, it, it's like to get a series off the ground on a major network is it, like winning, winning Miss World. Um, you you know, your chances. Um, or, or winning the grand national, you know. If if you just get in the race, to be quite honest, that's that's that in itself is a big achievement. A backdoor pilot is really what it says. You know, you're sliding in without really going through the business of making a pilot or even a few shows um, where they where the series part. Thing. Basically, this is a TV feature part, and they're hoping to pull in series. So yes, it was a long shot, but we knew there was an audience base there. So so everybody was very optimistic, and we had a six and a half million dollar budget, which is, uh, you know, for 1990, whatever it was, 1995 when we were shooting, um, is a, quite a bit of money. So. They were up in Vancouver and they were optimistically building the TARDIS as if it was a set for a series rather than a feature. So they spent about, as far as I remember, um, $2 million just building that set. And uh, I couldn't believe the size of the Cloister Room. Um, The Cloister Room is meant to be one of the smallest rooms in a church. Um, and, you know, when they said, well, we want to have the climactic fight with the master in the cloister room, let's do that. I said, well, there's not going to be much room to have a fight. And they went, oh, no, um, this is, this is going to be, and it was Christmas and, and, uh, uh, they sent me a model, you know, had to be delivered by almost a truck. Um, scaled down model of what was the cloister room which is in fact that big grand cathedral
0: yeah with the, of harmony um, uh, in the in the center of it and i went oh okay right, <laughs> i see
1: um uh, we can we can really have some fun i wish i still had that model because julians would probably love it there's a lot of stuff i had then but i don't have it anymore i think it got broken up by my kids and used for um, you know, used for spare parts in their little
0: adventures. Yeah, that's your pension plan up the, up the spout there. Yeah, spout. Right. and actually it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you uh, eventually again, of, of, you chose the master um, as your enemy. Was, the, was that something you came upon fairly quickly or were you tempted to use more of a, a, a bug-eyed monster an actual alien-looking alien at any point?
1: That's a, uh, we needed a, we needed to have an American star in the movie for um, for uh, you know in order to get Fox and Universal to commit, um, so um, we had to choose a villain um, that was human. I I would have loved to have created someone new. Uh, Philip um, suggested the Master. Um, I you know uh, uh, the Master is a sort of juicy kind of pantomime role in a way something can have more certainly um, the way it went with Eric was he he'd done pantomime he'd trained at RADA he, he said he wanted to play a big camp and you know I always dress for the occasion Yeah. Um, They had wonderful designs for it when they were putting together the Bible for the, for their, when they wanted, when it was going to be a series. Um, So, uh, you know, I mean, I think if you did it now, um, uh, you'd probably end up with some wonderful creatures. I think the thing about the Doctor is they are basically earthbound.
0: And as well as being, you know, having an English writer on board, an English star, you've got an English director, and I think Jeffrey Sachs does a does does a great job.
1: He made it look wonderful, and he did the, you know, and also, you know, also he had to deal, um, uh, uh, you know, with the politics of of the film. I think it's probably the only film that's set in San Francisco um, with a car chase on the flat. Yeah.
0: And um, what about we? What about Philip Seagull, who was the sort of driving force behind it? Is it fair to say it wouldn't have happened without him?
1: It wouldn't have happened without him. It's absolutely true. And,
0: and what was his vision of Doctor Who? What did he want to? What did he?
1: His vision. His vision was this romantic Doctor. Um, uh, his, you know, he was. He was a fan. He went to his office, and the first thing I, I was given after my pitch hit home was the key to the turtles. <laughs> uh, which, which I've still got somewhere, I think.
0: And when you look at it now, are you, do, do, are you happy with, with um, what they did with your script? I was very happy. Um, you know, Jeff did a wonderful job.
1: Um, all the actors were, 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 were great. Um, uh, uh, I, I wish it could have been a more singular vision as a um, as a thumb, but um, I think that happened when they brought it back to life, and you had a showrunner who was a writer so I think I think um, I am happy with with what was done um, uh, I think they did you know they really did a wonderful job
0: and and um, what is in the world we're talking about something you did many years ago now so what is what is in the world of Matthew Jacobs now? what are you up to?
1: Of, I did a bit of lecturing, you know, visiting lecturer at the Austin Film School, UCLA, things like that, and um, and it, it it freed me. It's for recently I've been much freer. I've done some very small films, um, your good friend, tiny film, obviously, you know, and doing you know more of the jobs on the films and so I really enjoyed and Boxing Day which played the Venice Film Festival which I co-star in with Danny Houston it sort of marked a movement back to acting primarily improvised acting and uh, and then since I've done two films which I co-star in but, um, Your Good Friend and Bar America which we're just going into ADR at the moment and then I wrote a yeah, I say I don't do it. I did a uh, big animation film to the sort of Spanish Pixar, which is produced by Antonio Banderas and has a great yes. cast. It's called Justin and the Knights of Valor. And so I co-wrote that with the director, as you do in animation. So, I, and obviously I've got credits in animation like Emperor's New Groove and, and uh, a few other things that I, I've got on credited work on for DreamWorks and for, and for Disney. Doing a
0: lot. Well, in them. well, great. Well, I'm very grateful that you took some some time out of your schedule to, to speak to me about uh, but one job in in many. So I'm going to ask you um, to, to nominate a charity for the listeners to donate to who've, uh, who've downloaded this podcast for free. Shelter. Doctor Who is 50 this year. Um, do you have a message to all those Doctor Who fans out there?
1: Just keep on is oh my gosh um, he, he's been alive for a long time and he deserves all the respect he can get uh, um, uh, uh, May his his lives and your lives um, regenerate forever and ever
0: it's a great message uh, Matthew Jacobs thank you very much Oh, bless you. No, that's very kind. I'm, I'm going to turn the camera back on.
1: I can see your, your, your um, receding hairline.
0: Yeah, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. It. I need. I mean mine. My thanks to Matthew, who had to put up with a few technical glitches as we did the interview, and it didn't phase him at all. Um, What a nice man. Uh, His charity is Shelter, which is www.shelter.org.uk. please to give to them if you can, especially if the weather's like it is now. Uh, My next interviewee, I'm thrilled about because it's somebody that's never been interviewed about Doctor Who uh, although she worked on over 30 episodes spanning John Pertwee through to Peter Davison so uh, tune in to that one and uh, thanks for listening to this podcast uh, my name's Toby Hado I'm such an anorak that my DNA actually contains polyester bye Coming soon from Big Finish Productions The Fourth Doctor Adventures Doctor Who The Evil One
1: Obey. I've just walked through half the aft section of passenger staterooms and lounges Not a soul to be
0: seen Where are you now? I take it you'll be checking the cargo hold Nobody about Doctor, look out Hands up Don't worry, Micah, I've got them covered. Ah, hello, now, you definitely are awake. Who are you? What are you doing here? Doctor, come and look. What the hell are they? Metal insects. The size of men. Yes. Bigger. Right, now then. Shut up. Micah, where's Alensis? What? Peter, get down. What is happening? Micah! Ah, sorry, wrong floor, my mistake. If you come with us, you will live. Really? Enjoy your questions, Doctor. They are all you have left. This Doctor, he is heading for Heskardis. And there he will die. Activate your weapon.
1: You are the master, and any enemy of the Doctor's is an enemy of mine.
0: I shall destroy you both. now.
1: Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com.